Hello there, my studio teacher friends. Welcome back to the Beyond Measure podcast with me, Christina Whitlock, your anytime piano teacher friend. I loved hearing your feedback from last week's episode on strengthening that student-teacher-parent triangle, so I decided to follow that idea up with sharing my number one piece of advice for studio parents. It's a good one, so be sure to hang around. It's almost the end of October over here, which means our next session of Teachers Teaching Teachers is on the horizon. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but Teachers Teaching Teachers is a feature of membership over in my Patreon community. Once a month, we gather on Zoom to chat and learn from each other over a selected piece of piano repertoire. It's a great time, and since it only costs $6 to join, I think you should consider it. We meet at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, usually on the last Friday of the month, and anyone who can't join does get access to the replay recording. If you think about it, that's really valuable content for $6 a month. So head to christinawhitlock.com support to learn more. Okay, so on with the show. You are listening to episode 149, Cheers to My Best Advice for Studio Parents. If you know me, you know that I love a disclaimer. So here is two days. I want you to remember that I operate under a policy where I devote zero ounces of my energy to how someone parents their child. That's part of my zero energy list, which I describe in episode number 76 of this podcast. That episode, by the way, is my top downloaded episode of all time, so clearly it's resonating with someone. So if you haven't listened to that or would like a refresher, I'll link it in the show notes. But I wanted to remind you of this because as we talk about offering parents' advice today, I think it feels like a slippery slope into a conversation about all the ways we think our studio families are getting it wrong. <laughs> that, as I've said before, is just not a good use of your energy. So instead, I just want to offer one helpful reminder that you can pass along to your studio families on occasion. Okay? All right. Disclaimer over. <laughs> I read something on the internet years ago that really impacted how I thought about parents and piano lessons, and it has continued to resound in me as I raise children of my own. So as I prepared for this episode, I went on a hunt for that short article I had read many years ago, and I found it in a post from 2014. The Fuller Youth Institute published a post called The Only Six Words Parents Need to Say to Their Kids About Sports or Any Performance. <laughs> That's a long title, but you get it. The Only Six Words Parents Need to Say to Their Kids About Sports or Any Performance. 
Mmm, intriguing, right? <laughs> well, this piece mentions a survey in which college athletes were asked about parent feedback. Most specifically, they were asked about what parents said that helped them feel good and enjoy what they were doing on the field. The responses across the board boiled down to one sentiment. Student athletes wanted to hear one thing more than anything else from their parents. Do you have a guess? It was this, I love to watch you play. I love to watch you play. <laughs> Those six words, according to these studied athletes, meant more than all of the advice and all of the pep talks and all of the deep parallels to other life lessons and all of the things that we do to talk to our students to make what they're doing in their endeavors more relevant, right? But what fostered their love for the game was that phrase. I love to watch you play. So as I said, this idea has really stuck with me over the years, and it makes me reflect on all kinds of experiences I've had and those I've witnessed. We have all had students who finish a performance and you can just tell that every fiber of their being is looking for approval from their parents, right? Sometimes you can see the wave of relief that comes over them when mom or dad give a glance of approval. Of course, I've also seen students meet a parent's glance, clearly not receiving the reaction they were hoping for, and that's pretty soul-crushing as well. I say this because, as a parent, I can testify that we try hard to say and do all the right things. I mean, you know me enough by now that if I'm this committed to cheerleading the music teaching profession, just imagine how over the top I can be with my own children. It's a lot. But this idea of the most powerful thing I can say to them being, I love to watch you play, wow, that's humbling. It's easy, actually. <laughs> it's not particularly profound. It involves no convoluted analogies. It gives no pressure for the child to change or to grow. It doesn't diminish their feelings or suggest that they should feel some other kind of way. It's just the simple truth. I love to watch you play. Or in our music teacher case, I love to hear you play, or I love to listen to you play. I love to see you on that stage. I love to see you doing something that you love. Ah, oh, it's all so good, friends. And for the record, we shouldn't limit these magic words to parents. Do you say these words to your students? Do you tell your students that you love to listen to them play? I know I'm a lot better at telling my students like that I'm glad to see them when they show up for their lesson. I know that I create a warm, welcoming musical environment, which plays a large part in the fact that my students actually enjoy coming to their lessons. <laughs> so what I want to do better is to infuse that same kind of encouragement into the actual music that they are creating with me. 
If telling students how genuinely glad I am to see them makes them happy to come to their lessons, what if continually reinforcing how much I love listening to them play helps deepen their love for sharing music with other people? I mean, we cannot underestimate the power of our words. Getting back to the parents of our students, let's talk about how we can encourage this kind of communication at home. I mean, perhaps you've heard me say this before, but I believe successful music students need to feel three things. They need to feel capable, accountable, and invested in. Capable, accountable, and invested in. Today's conversation really hinges on that last one. Like, how do we help students see that others are invested in their success? Well, when we first hear the word invest, of course, we think of money. <laughs> and I think our students should recognize that their families are financially invested in their growth to some extent. I have dealt with families that take this to extremes that I do not feel are age appropriate um, and that make me kind of uncomfortable. But I suppose that's another episode for another day. <laughs> but what about promoting this feeling of investment outside of finances? Because to me, when a parent tells a child, I love to hear you play, that communicates emotional investment. And that's a big one for me. I have one studio parent who is so good at this because rather than nagging her child to practice, she'll say things to him like, you know, I have to go clean up the bathroom. Will you please play the piano so I have something nice to listen to while I work? I mean, isn't that good? It's kind of sneaky, but it's good. <laughs> like instead of approaching practice time like a responsibility, she is telling her son that, hey, you make my life better when I hear you play. I think that connects playing to enjoyment rather than obligation. And that sounds a lot more aligned with my goals as a teacher. I want my students to see music as a source of enjoyment rather than obligation, right? I know it won't work for everyone, but over time, I do think there are a lot of kids who will respond favorably to this kind of approach. So when parents ask me about improving practice at home, my number one recommendation is to institute some kind of weekly family performance night. I happen to think this is a great addition to the weekly routine, though it does take intentionality in today's busy world, of course. I like to suggest that families block out maybe even just 15 minutes or so the evening before their scheduled lesson day, where students are expected to play what they have been working on for their family. This accomplishes a lot of things. It offers accountability. It shows family investment. It gives low pressure performance experience for the students. It keeps parents updated of progress. It can be fun. I mean, the list goes on and on. Plus, afterwards, it's going to give everyone the opportunity to use the magic phrase of, I love to hear you play. 
(laughs) We don't have to dissect what went poorly or how to improve from there. We don't need to offer platitudes or exaggerated statements like, you're the greatest pianist in the world. (laughs) I love to hear you play is encouraging, it's effective, while it's also being specific. It's not some general, wow, I'm just so proud of you. It's, wow, I love to hear you play. So the next time a parent asks you how to better encourage practice at home, tell them to ask students to play for them for their own enjoyment, rather than telling them they need to go sit at the piano for at least 30 minutes before they get their snack, or whatever the deal is. (laughs) As with any new approach, change takes time. So don't expect miraculous attitude shifts right away, okay? Just stick with it, and I think you'll be surprised at how differently students end up approaching their music making. We're going to have to remind parents about this mindset and encourage them to keep trying it at home, even if it doesn't happen right away. Okay, friends, let's take a moment and celebrate with a toast to us. Studio music teacher friends from all over the world, I am reminded once again of how detailed our job as music teachers really is. Not only do we spend our time researching the best teaching methods, We also spend immeasurable hours thinking of ways to better engage our students and their families and our communities. It's not for the faint of heart, but the mission is worth it. Look around at the conflicts in our world today. I know there are times when music feels inconsequential, but I believe the beauty The sensitivity and the lessons in humanity that we learn while pursuing our instruments are exactly the qualities that we need to see more of. Our work is not inconsequential at all. It's one of the greatest pursuits that still exists in the world today. So this is me raising my glass to you, my very important teacher friend. Here, here. Thanks for hanging out with me today for episode 149. I hope it has inspired you to offer advice to studio parents in a new way. And if nothing else, to put those six magical words to use. I love to watch you play. Be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Measure Podcast. You can find a transcript of today's episode, related episodes, and more in the show notes for today's show at christinawhitlock.com slash episode 149. Until next week, my friends, onward and upward to helping our students see the joy that they inspire in the world around them. I'll talk with you soon.